0: Um, Guys, it's such a joy to be together this morning. Before we transition into the Word, uh, I just want to say many of you are fairly new. You've been visiting with us. Uh, You have joined us during lockdown. Uh, We've seen the new faces. We've said hello where we can. But in two weeks' time, uh, on the Sunday after church, we will have a Connect moment for all the newcomers to meet you guys, to share a little bit more about the heart of who we are as a church. We don't have regular rhythms like we used to, but we realize there's a necessity for us to connect with you guys who are are new to us. So we'll send out those details, keep an eye open for that, but on the 21st of November, there will be a new uh, connect moment for people who are new and want to find out more about the church. Awesome. It's my joy this morning to introduce uh, our speaker to you today, um, Marlon Hartnick is with us with his beautiful family, Mary, Rebecca, and Mark. It's wonderful to host them. Uh, Marlon has been the senior pastor of Every Nation. Um, from the year 2010 to 2020, and then he transitioned into focusing more on prophetic ministry with every nation in Southern Africa. On this side, he's a business analyst as well. I think those two must be amazing, analyzing a business with a prophetic gift. Um, So (laughs) I'm sure there's some businesses who's been benefiting from that. Um, But that's what he does with his time, and just a heart for Jesus, a heart for the church. He ministers across uh, the region, of South Africa to many of our Every Nation churches. They're still involved in Every Nation, Cape Town North, which is three churches on on the northern suburbs of um, our community. And um, when I reached out to our apostolic leadership team and said we want someone to bring prophetic ministry to us at the end of Haggai and conclude the series to us, he came uh, well encouraged to be here. But my first experience with Marlon was at one of our regional events. And I haven't met him yet. And he took the stage for a moment to speak. Sometimes you you meet people and their character precedes anything they've done already. It's like the preface of a book. You read it to know what's coming. And Marlon, you're one of those guys that when you walk into an environment, your character, your uprightness, your faith, and the way that you walk before the Lord just hits one before you even speak. So thank you for the way that you represent God in his kingdom. Thank you for your family that does the same and come and share the word of the Lord with us this morning.
1: Awesome. Amen. Thanks so much. Bless you. Well, what a joy it is to be with you all this morning. I truly am privileged to be here. I said to Pierre, you know, and I think I mentioned to Ricky as well, that in all the years I've, I've never been to Every Nation Somerset West. I think the only time was when we had a conference there some time back. Um, but it truly is a joy to be here. I'm eternally grateful to God for the opportunity. I'm grateful to the leadership as well for affording me the opportunity to share. And I, and I think really, let me just say this from the outset, I really am privileged to end of this series I so enjoyed, you know, there's one of the benefits of COVID and it definitely is that I was able to go into churches where I wasn't able to go before. And so I've enjoyed the series so far. Amen. I've, I've, I said to Peter, I watched part two and part three, I watched it twice already, um, not just to give me a backdrop to what has been discussed, but I really enjoyed just the, both the theological content thereof, and also just the sense of what God is saying to you. And so I share with you this morning just my absolute sense of what I'm of of, of where I'm at um, with the Lord, and particularly for every nation, Somerset West. So I don't know too much about the recent happenings. I don't know much about the last couple of years. So I don't have much of a reference when it comes to that. But I believe that I have something which the Lord laid on my heart, which I want to share with you this morning. And I want to be obedient to that as best as what I'm able to. So um, I want to honor my beautiful wife, Mary, our children, Mark and Rebecca as well. They are our joy. Um, my great encouragement. And I always say, you know, it's it's wonderful. No matter what accolades you may receive from anybody else, it's always important to me that my family is there supporting me. Um, so I bless the Lord for my wife. Uh, she's really our intercessor and our prayer warrior. You know, even if it means anointing our feet and our heads at three in the morning, um, you know, <laughs> Um, I say I only know one three o'clock, and that's in the afternoon. I mean, I don't, I don't know about the morning three o'clock, but she's always there praying up a storm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful to God. So a lot of what, and I love what Anthony said. A lot of the expression and the gifting that God allows me to express comes because of the support and encouragement from my family. So with that being said, let's just commit this time to the Lord in prayer, and then. I'll get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we bless you for this divine opportunity. God, we never want to take lightly this moment that we have to hear from you. And Father, as we stand before you this day, we really pray that your will would be done. We thank you for your word. I bless you that the entrance of your word brings light. I thank you, Lord, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. We thank you this morning, Lord, That indeed you will cause your word to prosper in the area for which you sent it out this day. And so as we bring our individual lives before you, as we bring this ministry, this house of every nation Somerset West before you, we pray, Lord, that you would go ahead of us. Holy Spirit, as always, I rely upon thee exclusively. I pray that you release every gift that is necessary to minister to your people. And I thank you for change. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. 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 Now, beloved, to say that 2020 and 2021 has been challenging times in our lives would probably be a gross understatement. And so we know that even as as a family family, Mary and I, we've lost friends, we've lost uh, ministry colleagues, we've lost so many people, and even in May this year, we've, we've even lost a dad. And so we faced a number of challenges, and I'm sure that each and every one of you have as well. And there's almost a sense that I have that for many, you know, it's, can we just write off 2021 already? You know, with the hope that somehow... Once the clock strikes 12 on that um, 1st of January 2022, things will be different. I know that many of us feel that way. Other times we can have a different tendency. And that is instead of wanting to go forward, we try and go back. So, man, you know what? Oh, if I, if I just look back to how it was before. Now, I've got a personal confession to make. I, I, I enjoy moments of nostalgia. I enjoy going back. I love revisiting things. I like seeing things. In fact, even on Facebook, you know, I'm part of this group Right? Uh, so in English, it would be can you still remember type of a thing. And so on that they would they would have different things, and there would be pictures where that is the milkman coming in the morning and dropping it off there with your change, and the next morning your money is still there, your milk and your juice is all still there. So we look back at those things, and I look back and you know, you're almost in this moment of nostalgia thinking, wow. We, we often, Mary and I, we often say to Mark and Rebecca, there's so many things that we enjoyed, uh, even food stuff. And we would always say, you know what, it just doesn't quite taste the same anymore um, as, as what it used to. And at times, I will admit to you that sometimes I also feel, man, it was, those were really the good old days. I mean, if, we, if we're honest here this morning, we use the expression very often. And I don't think that that is wrong in and of itself, but here's the challenge for you and me. If you and I only go back based on a sense that it's never gonna be as good as what it was before, then we're definitely in the wrong place. And that is why I love this series. That is why I love the title, Better Than The Good Old Days. Because whenever we go back, as I said, there's almost a tendency, man, it's never gonna be as good. No, 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 with God, he's saying to you and me that as good as what it was in the past, this season, this moment that you and I find ourselves in is a moment we will embrace better than what there was before. And so as we continue to journey in the short and yet powerful book of Haggai, only two chapters, but you know, so much depth in this book. They say that in terms of a measure of success, Haggai was probably one of the most successful prophets in terms of speaking a word and there being corresponding action. I mean, if this was, if this was boxing, and uh, you know, if you don't have a boxing reference, then, then maybe this won't appeal to you. Um, but if, if this was boxing, then I would almost want to say pound for pound, Haggai was probably right up there in terms of the prophets Didn't speak much, wasn't a long period of time, but very powerful and very effective. And so in this short book, we see that there is a recalling, almost a reflecting of the old. There's a responding to the present, and there's a call for hope for the future. And that's what I love about this book. So this book is broken into into four sermons that Haggai preached. And two of it you've covered already, and so in Haggai chapter 1 verse 1 to 15, the prophet is addressing the people. And of course we know, and Peter did this so wonderfully, where the people were more concerned about their homes than they were about the house of the Lord, and the house was in ruins. But within 24 days of Haggai coming, the temple is being rebuilt. That was Haggai's first message. The second one, which you covered last week, Haggai 2 verses 1 to 9, the prophet delivered a word of encouragement to the people who thought that things would never be as good as what they were in the good old days, right? And so we looked at especially verses 8 and 9, and again, as I said, powerfully uh, ministered last week. As we look at this week, we look at Messages 3 and 4, and Message 3 was chapter 2 and verses 10 to 19, where the prophet challenged the people to mark the day since they put God first and see what the result would be thereof. And then fourthly was Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, where the prophet gave a prophetic utterance that contained both current as well as long-term fulfillment. And so we're going to be looking at that a little more. I want to break this message up into three parts this morning. I want to speak to you about foundations. Then, secondly, I want to speak to you about fruitfulness. And thirdly, I want to speak to you about future. Right? So, foundations, fruitfulness, and future. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Haggai chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 10 to 17 as we look at the first point, namely um, foundations. Right? Haggai chapter 2. So depending on what Bible you use, I know Pierre said if you don't know where it is, go to the New Testament, um, you know, and then go back four or five pages. I've got a study Bible, Pierre. so I was four or five pages. I wasn't close to Agai, right? So I needed to go back a bit further um, than four or five pages. Um, But the third last book of the Old Testament, thank you, sir, third last book of the Old Testament, and we're going to be reading verses 10 to 17. Thank you so much. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And so from verse 10, we read the following. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands, and what they offer is unclean. Now then, Consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all your products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord." Now I'm saying, God, what happened to the glory of the latter will be greater than the glory of the former. I mean, we have that last week, and now all of a sudden, we're back over here, and it's almost as if God was, through Haggai, was setting the scene quite nicely. So Haggai asked the priest these two questions, and we'll get into that in a moment. And then from there, God sort of builds on from there. Now, before we go deep into this point, let me just preface it by saying this, foundations are not always something which you and I are excited about, right? We love to see progress, and for us, the progress is when the walls start going up. In fact, I will, I will say this, that when we built our house, I was, in fact, very disappointed when I saw the foundation, I said to my wife, goodness, man, it looks so small. I mean, can our bed even fit into this place over here, right? And so I saw this foundation, but I knew that the foundation was important. And so one of the things in which, which we did, we said that in order to put God first, um, you know, we, we planted a Bible in the foundation of our, of our home to say that God, that whoever lives here, whether it's us, whoever's to come, that we are building upon the foundation of your word because we, we believe that foundations are important. And so in this particular instance, we also see that they're now on the foundation level, right? And so we're wanting to see growth, we wanting to see development. I mean, no, no one, as I said, gets excited about, oh the foundation. Yes, it's, it's a good start. I'm excited about that. But what is our next question? So when is the wall starting to go up? And here these people are, And they're finding themselves now in this book of Haggai. They've they've been instructed to rebuild the temple, starting from the foundation. And in the series, we see that God was shifting the focus away from just a building, a place where his glory was dwelling and where his presence could be found, and looking at something which is even more remarkable, and that is your life and mine. And Pierre was explaining how those, those five stages and um, those five seasons that we're moving and where we're between stages four and five at the moment. And if you haven't seen that, then you know what, I wanna encourage you go and watch it on, on, on YouTube. Um, it, it really is a powerful background to that which we are busy with this morning. So as we look at this rebuilding, I wanna say that if you and I are ever going to be agents of change, Agents of revival, it's going to have to come through a strong foundation. And we know, as 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11 says to us, that the only and the sure foundation upon which you and I build is Jesus Christ. It's Him only. It's upon Him that I want to build. And so here we find that Haggai them are busy with us. And, you know, it's, it's always useful to look at some of the other background as well. So I wanna take you through just a bit of a journey this morning, and here we see another prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 25, verse 11 to 12, Jeremiah prophesied the following. He said, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I'll punish the king of Babylon And that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So here is Jeremiah prophesying about these people that would be in captivity. And he mentions the 70. Now, this prophecy was around 605 B.C., where about fifty thousand Jews then returned and they were they were allowed to rebuild. And so it was around five thirty eight BC when they started from about five thirty six BC, they started with their offerings again. And so theologians tell us that, you know, because if you do the maths, I know like me, you know, oh, it's not quite adding up to 70 over here. Um, so so it was one of two things. Either the 70 was, was measured from a time just slightly before, or it could be that the 70 was sort of a rounded off number. Be that as it may, um, here is this moment where God has called them. So they're starting to build. They've got the foundation, and they were excited probably as it were. And then all of a sudden, Because of opposition, the building, the rebuilding, sorry, it stops. And so for 16 years, there's no rebuilding. Until Haggai comes onto the scene, almost like a hero from an action movie, with a message from God. And within the number of days, 24 days, we see, there's the start of the rebuilding of this temple. And, what I love about this, God says, you know, ask the priest. And so here's, the, here's just the paraphrased version of that. Verses 11 and 12, this is basically the question. If a holy thing touches something which is unclean, will the unclean thing become holy? And the priest says, no, it won't become holy. He said, okay, so let me, let me phrase this differently then. Verse 13, so if someone who is unclean because they contacted or had contact with something which was dead. Of course, you've had something with contact with something which was dead, you were declared unclean. So if that were you, and you are now to touch a holy thing, will the holy thing become unclean? And to that, the priest says, yes, it will be. It will become unclean. So in other words, beloved, holiness is not transferred. And when we look at this particular passage, we see just from a practical sense for you and me, you, can, you, you and I cannot infect someone with good health. I would have loved for it to be that way, but they certainly, if they are unhealthy, they can definitely infect you with bad health. In our context, in other words, you know, given our current circumstances, if someone had COVID and you were healthy, Out of love for me to be able to come and, man, you know what, now you're healthy. But instead, I'm at risk of becoming unhealthy because of that. And so as God uses this analogy with with, with the people, you know, I look at this and there's something important that God is trying to bring across to them. And God is saying to them that these people are unclean. He's saying to them that they are defiled. And so what they're offering is unclean as well. And so them being unclean doesn't mean that when they come and touch something holy, that they're going to become holy. In other words, you and I can do every type of thing You and I can do the ritual. You and I can do the good deeds. We can do whatever we need to. But you see, if we are not at that place where we're building upon the sure foundation, then just like Isaiah prophesied, then our good works are like filthy rags in the Lord's sight. And so what is, what is God saying? God is saying that the temple which was lying in ruins was actually a physical and a graphical depiction of their spiritual lives which were lying in ruin. And so it's almost as if God is saying, I want you to see this picture because somehow you're not getting this message You're not seeing what I'm trying to say with this. You see, they were trying to build the walls as if, you know, through offering, through sacrifices, and yet their very lives was not a sacrifice unto God. And that is what God desires of you and me. You see, you and I can do many good things and we can sacrifice, but if you and I are not fully devoted to God, then it's as if our temples are lying in ruin as well. So God was trying to show them that this unfinished temple was like a dead corpse. And just as the priest answered, so if you touch that, then you yourself would be unclean. And that's why God is saying, you're not seeing the picture over here. You're trying to come to this holy place and you're unclean. And somehow you're hoping that the holiness will be transferred to you when in fact your foundations are faulty. Let me make this statement that the Lord gave me. You cannot build the halls through sacrifice when the foundation of holiness is not first established. So you and I can't build the halls through sacrifice when the foundation of holiness is not first established. So what are the consequences of this wrong or this faulty foundations? Well, verse 15, God is asking the people to consider And he's saying to them, listen, so before you built and before you got to this rebuilding of the temple and laying the stones again of the foundation, what was it like for you? How did you fare? Um, You know, he says there, when you came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When you came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there was but 20. And so if I can state this in modern day contextual language, it would be God almost saying to you and I, so before you did that, before you put my kingdom first, how did it work out for you? How did it it go for you? And so these people, they suffered and one of the key areas of their suffering was through the agriculture. And that was something which was not only dear to their hearts, it was literally their life. Their, their lives depended up, upon it. So there was a direct correlation between the lack of progress on the temple and also the shattered agricultural expectations that they had from God. It wasn't working out for them. And so it's important for you and for me to get to that point where we know that God's key desire for us. Is what he, the desire he had for them as well, that we would get the foundation right and put him first in everything. The second key or the point of the is fruitfulness. Two verses in Haggai 2 verses 18 and 19. And it says Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider is there yet, sorry, is the the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. Family, there's something significant which happened since the day that they went back to lay the foundation in the Lord's temple once more. And so in the same way, There's something significant about the day when you and I also came and we said, Jesus, we want you to be the foundation of our lives. Our highest goal, Lord, is to live in holiness, in dedication and devotion towards you. I want to say this this morning, that yes, from a chronological sense, the 70 years that um, Jeremiah and others have prophesied about, I want to say that, yes, I believed that that passed already. However, I want to submit to you that spiritually and prophetically speaking, I believe the 70 years of desolation only really ended the day when the foundation of the temple was being rebuilt again. And so it's not just time that is passing, beloved. It's not just over time things will get better. No, no. This is coming and saying, God, what is it that you need to do? Because there's a corresponding action which needs to take place. And then we find the blessing of the Lord happening. So remember what we said about Jeremiah, about the 70 years in Jeremiah chapter 25, So quick backdrop, people were taken captive in, um, you know, to Babylon, but here was Jeremiah. It was a far journey, in fact, 1,400 kilometers, so it's far away. Jeremiah is now old, and again, as biblical scholars conclude, that was probably the reason why he remained in Jerusalem, but now he's later, he's writing a message of encouragement to the old people who are still in Babylon, and it's a message of encouragement. Now, remember he prophesied in Jeremiah 25. He prophesied about the 70 years of captivity. And thereafter, there'll be a change. So we know that very famous verse. I didn't even realize that. I see that verse on the cover of this iPad as well over here that I have. We all know the famous verse. If I say Jeremiah, we all know. 29 verse 11, all right. So we all know that. So the same Jeremiah that prophesied about the 70 years of captivity is now encouraging them, but listen to the context of verse 11. Sometimes we only quote the verse and we love that part, but we don't realize the context is what actually gives it the weight and what gives it volume. And so look at Jeremiah 29 verses 10 to 14. And here's what it says. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Then we see the verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then he goes on and he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So that is the context. You see... They didn't deserve it as much as what you and I don't deserve it. But God's grace is so overwhelming. God's grace is such a um, you know just such a refreshment to our souls. And so yes, he's speaking about the prosperity. Yes, he's speaking about his presence and what he's saying to to them even now through the prophet Haggai is the sense that I have this morning for you in verse nineteen. And I know that this is for some. here today, or maybe even someone who's watching, I'm sensing that the Lord is reminding you and I anew and afresh this day, but from this day on, I will bless you. Yes, there's been difficult moments. Yes, there's been tough seasons. But you see this, prophetically speaking, there's a moment in God when God starts doing something not because of your and my accord, not because of how wonderful we are, but because of His grace. And despite what we have gone through, despite how we've disappointed Him, but when you and I come and we bow our knee and say, God, we want You to be first in our lives. We want You to have preeminence in our lives. Then all of a sudden, there's a shift. And as much as the shift took place through the prophet Haggai, I want to say to this church and this house this morning that I sense that the Lord will say to you that there's a shift that's coming to every nation, Somerset West. This is not like it was in the past. This is going to be better than the good old days, says the Lord. And so embrace yourself because something is about to happen. And so yes, despite the bleak past, here is this moment. I sense that God will say to you this day as what he said to them through the prophet Haggai, mark this day. I believe that this series is not just you know a series this is not just to fill up the sort of the church calendar for the year and this this is a nice thing no no i feel in my spirit that god is saying to you this day mark this day god is doing something anew and afresh and he wants to bless you abundantly i want to say i believe that god says that greater is yet to come and so i sense this morning that the lord will say to you look not back in regret to that which you have lost, or what has been. Do not consider the good old days as, you know, as that is the best as what it ever will be. And so I just want to read what I, what I wrote there. I sense the Lord saying that indeed a greater glory is coming to every area of your life, even as it comes to this very house. In the past You came to a heap of 20 measures, but there were only 10. You previously tried to draw 50 measures from a wine vat, but when you got there, there was only 20. But mark this day and see what I will do in the days and months which lies ahead, says the Lord, where there will be a divine reordering. For there will be efforts of labor to gain 20, but instead you will receive 50, says the Lord. It'll be my grace that will mark your life. It'll be my grace that will mark this house, And where does my favor and abundant blessings will indeed accompany you? Know that in me and through me, the best is yet to come. Every nation, Somerset West, prophetically speaking, God is saying to you this morning that the 70 years of captivity have come to an end. From this day, mark this day and see if your troubled marriage cannot be blessed because He's saying to you that I will bless you. Mark this day and see if. If your business, which seems to be in ruins right now, will not turn around and be blessed, mark this day to see that that promotion that you've always been holding on to, but you've been overlooked every single time and every moment, mark this day because God is about to do something new and something fresh to you individually, but even to this house as well. And so, yes, there's a fruitfulness as we get the foundation right. Point number three then, future. Haggai chapter two, verses 20 to 23. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and the and the riders." And the horses and their riders shall go down, everyone by the sword of his brother. Verse 23, on that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. And so we've seen what happens when God becomes the true foundation. We see that there's fruitfulness and he blesses us. Yes, it may not come immediately, but there is a turn of events that's going to take place. And so now as we look at this fourth message of Haggai in verses 20 to 23, we see something significant. Now, this has probably taken place on the same day. As the third message, because it, um, the description is quite clear, but this was probably later in the day, firstly. And the second distinction is that this was probably a private word or message to Zerubbabel, right? So to, to the governor. And so here they find, and so we see the shift of focus when, where before it was only dealing with past and looking at present, mark this day, now we see that there's a shift which is directed towards the future. And I believe that even in this, in this house, God is saying that there's a shift where the moving will be towards the future. So it's interesting, it speaks about this trembling creation and overthrown kingdoms and perishing armies. And so just in these four verses alone, God is the acting subject seven times. He says, I will, I will, I'll do this. God is acting seven times. If you look at just verse 23, the Bible says, On that day declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you as my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Just in that, he's the acting subject three times right? Um, And he says, declares the Lord, declares the Lord, declares the Lord of hosts. But I want us to notice something. In verses 21 through to verse 22, God refers to Zerubbabel as the governor. And this was interesting as I was studying this. I noticed that in verse 23, God refers to him as my servant. Now, this was a title given to individuals who were selected by God to accomplish his appointed task and so we look at that and you know what we no, I mean that's a fairly common title we've heard it before many of the men and women that God used they were they were sort of you know my servant but it only becomes significant when you realize the Zerubbabel's past and that's when we see how significant this is so how how bad was his past well in his bloodline you know, he was, he was part of Judah's past kings. His grandfather was Jehoiachin, um, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. His great-grandfather was Jehoiakim, and he too did evil in the sight of the Lord, and as the Bible says, according to all that his fathers had done. So coupled now with a multi-generational legacy of evil rulership and the shedding of innocent blood, Zerubbabel also now needs to deal with the fact that under his watch, the temple which he was instructed to rebuild was not built until Haggai now comes onto the scene. So can you imagine he's here and for 16 years under his watch, nothing happens. Haggai comes in with, in 24 days, the temple is starting to be rebuilt. I mean, how many of us would feel a little insecure Given our background that we had, given what has taken place right now. And so now God comes onto the scene and God says to him that I declare that you are still my servant. And I'm going to use you like the signet ring. You see, a signet ring, beloved, was provided as evidence of royal authority and ownership. And so kings sealed legal documents with a signet ring. Now the Lord is about to set his authentic impression on the world through the servant as much as what he calls you and me to be that signet ring to the world as well. So again, if we understand how significant the past was, you'll understand how significant this moment is. Let me take you back again. Our great prophet Jeremiah, verses 24, uh, sorry, chapter 22, verses 24 to 26. Let me just read this. It's worth the read. I know it's a lot of scripture, a lot of background, but it's worth it for the context. First, verse 24 then. As I live, declares the Lord, though... which is another name for Jehoiachin, remember that it was his grandfather, the son of Jehoiakim, um, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand. Yet I will tear you off, and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those of whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans, I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. This is not a nice word of the Lord, all right? (laughs) This, this is against everything they train, train you in prophetic school. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's like almost none of those hallmarks over there. All right? And so here is this heavy word. So Zerubbabel is therefore a descendant of Jehoiakim, who the Bible said was the signet ring, but he was cut off. He was despised. And now we find that God declares that Zerubbabel will be the and that's what makes it so significant. So I feel in my spirit that the Lord is saying to some of us here this morning that you and I don't have, perhaps, a righteous lineage. In fact, maybe yours was also a despised one, plagued with all sorts of evil and wrongdoing. And you may say to me this morning, but Marlon, that's the very reason why God can't use me, because maybe I come from a bloodline of three generations of alcohol addiction. Maybe I come from a bloodline of four generations of sexual immorality. Well, I want to say this to you this morning, that if you are in Christ, then you have at least 50 generations of the blood of Jesus Christ which has washed you clear, the blood of Jesus which says that you are mine and I am yours and I will use you despite what has happened in the past. So if we really want to go to the past and if the enemy wants to remind you of the past, you need to take him a little bit further than maybe just 100 or 120 years ago. In fact, enemy, if you want to do this, let's go back some 2,000 years ago when my Lord and Savior, died. Died on the cross of Calvary, and because I've received him as my Lord and Savior, I'm washed in his blood, I'm cleansed, and indeed a new thing has come and happened in my life. I want to say to you this morning don't disqualify yourself. God is God who's able to use you. God is going to just uphold you once more. So don't feel as insecure as Zerubbabel might have been. This was a personal message to him. And I believe that for some here today, it's a personal message to you as well that I will use you. Yes, there's been things in the past, but I'm using you and I will anoint you. God is saying this day that the glory days are certainly not over. Yes, you've been, you've witnessed great great things, wonderful moves of the past. Maybe once you were also at the peak of what you thought was your marriage. Maybe the peak with your relationship with your children or your work or your business, but God is directing you this day to turn your attention on the future because the future still is bright with Him. And as His child and servant, you carry His authority in the earth as His signet ring. As I end of this morning, I want to say this, every nation, Somerset West, arise to your glory days. I want to say this morning that what you've seen in the past will pale by comparison to what God still has for you. Do not be concerned with what went wrong in the past, nor be so preoccupied with, you know, those things and and even things like sins and things of days which have gone by. You've gone through a process of sanctification. You've come where you've rendered your hearts. And now I will answer, says the Lord. I believe that the Lord is saying to you this day break free from the hold of the past, of the things which caused you to be despised, and mark this very day. For I am about to do something great, says the Lord. I am about to bring change. I'm about about just to do something that you'd never even imagined, even if you were to stretch your mind. Beloved, Jesus is our ultimate signet ring. And even this morning, if you don't see much, just like them, God is asking you as well, is the seed still in the barn? And he goes and he shares all the seed. So you see what happened was, it wasn't harvest time yet. They didn't see it immediately. But you see, when God speaks a word and he says, from this day, mark this day, from this moment, I will bless you. Then you certainly can count on that. And God is saying to you that I will bless you every nation, Somerset West. It may not be, you know, tomorrow where we, oh, wow, but harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. As much as what you're familiar with harvest in this area, in this region, I want to say this to you, that even as you start seeing the grapevines as you drive through the vineyards, I'm praying that you'd be reminded of this message this morning, that that is a sign that the 70 years, prophetically speaking, of captivity has come to an end, and a new season is dawning. And I sense that God is raising up a people in this house that will bring change wherever they go. I just want to pray for you this morning. Lena, maybe you can just play on the keyboard if you don't mind. I just want to pray this morning for this house. I'm just so aware of what God is really just speaking over your lives this day as you focus on getting the foundations right, as His fruitfulness comes to this house, as He reassures you of your future with Him, I know He wants to do something amazing here. In our time of worship, I, I just had this sense, and I was just looking at this Helderberg Basin, and it was even as the drums were being beaten i just had a sense that that was a sound that was reverberating in this haldeberg basin and and i just sensed that god was doing something amazing here but even as the sound goes out there's a people who he wants to use to bring about change and if you hear this morning and you say god i want to be that people as my life and the foundations of my heart is being rebuilt, as I come to you, God, I want to build your kingdom. I want to be used to extend your kingdom. I want to be a carrier of your presence. I want to display your glory in whatever it is that I'm called to do. Maybe this day, the Lord wants to break that shackle of the past over your life. To say that you're not good enough. To say that you'll never be able to use. To say that because of your family you've been disqualified. But you know he's been speaking to you this day. To break free from that. Then I'm going to ask you just where you are. I'm not going to call you to the front. But maybe just to stand just where you are this morning. It's absolutely no shame. You're just saying God I want to be a change agent for you. I want to stand up for you. I want to be used by you. God, if there is a greater glory, then I want to be part of it, not only to enjoy the benefits thereof, but God, I want to be used. I want to bring change, Lord. Lord, I want to be used in my place of work. I want to be used in my place of study. God, I want to be used in my community. I want to be used in the spiritual house. I want to be used, Father, in South Africa and even the nations of the world. Yeah, I am, God. Use me to your honor and to your glory. Father, you see your children stand here this morning. And God, as we stand, I pray that you would break the shackles this morning. Father, I'm praying that minds would be loosed, Father. Minds that thought that they will never be good enough to be used. Minds, Father God, where the enemy has come and shackled them and chained them into thinking that their sin was so bad and so wicked that they could never be used again. But here we are, God. Hearts rendered before you this morning. Here we are this morning, God, saying, God, break the hold, and you Use us for the extension of your kingdom. Oh God, here we are this morning as a people of change, longing and desperate to be used by you. Oh Father, like Zerubbabel, use us as your servants, I pray. Father, we look not back to what was, but Father, we press on to what lies ahead. And Father, we declare this morning greater days over every single person. We declare that the best is yet to come. We say every nation, Somerset West will arise to a greater degree of glory. And every person Lord God, oh thank you God that our businesses will be blessed. Our marriages will be blessed. Our children will be blessed. Our ministry will be blessed. Father thank you that every part of our being Lord will be healed to you and as we get The foundation right. Thank you for fruitfulness. And thank you that we can look to you for the future. We mark this day, Lord. We mark this very day. And prophetically we declare the best is yet to come. Prophetically we declare that from this day on, you will bless us. God, the seed may be in the ground and yes, the harvest season may not be there, but oh, if you've declared it, then we believe it and we will see it in due season and at due time. And that is why we give you all the praise this day. That is why we give you all the glory. So every nation, Somerset West, if you believe that, I want you to give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Come on, let's break the shackles. Let's break the shackles. Oh, we bless you right now, Lord. Oh, we bless you right now. Oh, no longer enslaved by the past, Lord, but set free to our future. Set free to the destiny. Set free to the fullness that you have for us. And because of that, we give you all the worship and the praise and the honor in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. Won't you give the Lord one more shout of praise as we end this morning? God bless you.